Bandi Sikrishna Chaitanya Nityananda Sodito Gurudai Pushpavanto Chitro Sandotumanudo E Krishna Karuna Sindho Dinabandu Jagatpate Gopisha Gopika Kandarara Kandanamostute Tapta Kanjana Gurangi Radhe Vindavanishwari Vishabhanu Sute Devi Panamami Hari Priye Shri Gauri Vashna Guru Parampara Ki Jai So again, good morning, everyone. And um, as I mentioned the other day, in the morning, I'd like to speak a little more briefly and informally. And uh, whereas in the evenings, give him more, um, some discourse from the texts of our tradition. Tonight I'll be speaking from Bhagavad Gita in Helsinki at Brigu's house. So I hope you'll all come. So, any questions this morning? Yes. Guru Maharaj, uh, I'm for some time been wondering what would a contemporary explanation of the Pranas be like? In, uh, in the at the end of the Gopal Tapanipanishad, there is uh, quite a bit about the pranas, and you give some commentary on that, but you just give the traditional understanding of the pranas. But uh, it's very hard for me to relate that to anything. Puranas or pranas? Pranas. Apana, Jnana, and so forth. It seems to be some kind of strange, ancient... I agree. ...science, which has <laughs> nothing to do with what it actually looks like inside the body. So, how to understand these pranas? Hmm. Well, you'd be better um, um, served, your purpose would be better served, perhaps speaking to yogis than to myself. Hmm. I believe they're, they may be discussed in some greater detail in the uh, Yoga Sutras, uh, although I never studied Yoga Sutras. Have you? And um, the um, yogis seem more concerned with uh, a detailed analysis of subtle workings of the of the body, subtle body, as opposed to the the gross body, and um, manipulating those or mastering those energies for their purposes. So, I can't say that I've thought about it at any length, or even spoken about it at any length, uh, at any time, uh, in my limited experience. So to speak about the pranas, I mean, prana means, of course, in one sense, life center, or vital uh, seat of, of life, and... Uh, and uh, there are various types of prana, and then also means air, life air, so different types of life airs that serve uh, to facilitate different functions of the gross body. And it's true that modern medical science doesn't seem to identify them um, in any way at least recognizable to to myself, such that I could speak about them in 
in terms that would be we Westerners would educated Western people would be more familiar with. There is some mention of the Puranas in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, I believe, with regard to Satvika Bhavas. And briefly, uh, Satvika Bhavas means the uh, involuntary manifestation of ecstasy, eightfold, uh, corresponding with one's uh, ecstatic experience of Krishna in uh, Bhava Bhakti and Prema Bhakti. But there only briefly, again, it's mentioned that the, I believe the pranas, life airs are spoken of in conjunction with the mind, bhava, taking over the mind and then passing through the body on the life airs and, and contacting the different material basic constituents, water, earth, water, fire, air, ether, and uh, as a result of that, the corresponding manifestations of uh, ecstatic symptoms, such as uh, earth, uh, touching the earth, being stunned, touching the water, uh, tears, fire, perspiration, uh, ether, swooning, falling over, and so on. So, anyway, this is the only reference I could think of to the life heirs in, in, other than in Gopal Tapani where they're mentioned, but that's more of a, um, a text that the Gaudis have adopted than one that they have uh, fashioned themselves and uh, they've identified with, adopted it for good reason, of course, because it speaks about their deity, Gopal Krishna, in such uh, depth. But other than this reference that I'm... Um, vaguely referring to in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Uh, we don't find much discussion of this in the Gaudiya literature. So I'm afraid I cannot uh, give a very... And I probably would have if I had uh, in Gopal Tapani. Hmm. Um, but again, in the, then again, yoga is popular. And in the yoga community, some sense of the subtle body and life errors and so forth is... Uh, pran, at least, is, is, is a fairly common term, so a lot of Western people have seemed to have identified with it, whether they've understood it, and understanding, I suppose, could be um, defined as being able to explain it in contemporary contemporary terms. We're floating on it, but <laughs> these errors, it is said, but uh, I cannot give you a well, I don't think what you're looking for, a contemporary explanation of the life heirs. You know, I have a life heir. And, um, and I know that our life breath, what is it said? Gumera Avesha. Nishesha Shegora Gumera Avesha. Shayana Palankupari. Heno Jananahi. Heno Jananahi. We can say your life, your your pran, Hilaya pran dhare. Your breath will stop. Your life breath will stop. 
hogy ez a good fortune, és 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 égóra gumera és és ajánlott palunkupari. To have the, the, the view of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Goranga Mahaprabhu, early in the morning, lying on his bed and sleeping after a night of Sankirtan. Such a beautiful uh, sight. Eno Jananahi. No one in the world has seen such a thing. And continue to breathe. <laughs> uh, maintain their life air, it means. So, take away your breath, such as the capacity of the uh, um, pastimes of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And chanting Hare Krishna, this is, what do they call that in yoga? With a life, um, asana, pranayam. This is our idea of pranayam. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. So, another question. <laughs> yes. Uh, we, we, in many prayers, we address Lord Nityananda as well. And, and I once heard that Nityananda is, is more merciful than Titania Mahaprabhu. But could you explain that? And what's the significance of Nityananda? Yes. Uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu well, what is it? Brajendananda has said that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as Brajendananda Krishna has come as the son of Sachi and Balaram as Nitananda Prabhu. So, two, two brothers, close friends. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the most magnanimous. Rupa Goswami has said it. So your question is how Nityananda Prabhu can be more magnanimous, correct? It's hmm. a good question. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is very magnanimous, most magnanimous, and Nityananda Prabhu more magnanimous than the most magnanimous. It means that Nityananda Prabhu is the other self of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, extended self of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, for the purpose of being the most magnanimous. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was uh, in pursuit of being magnanimous, he took sannyas, something that Dinanda Prabhu could not tolerate because he saw, this is my younger brother, Krishna himself, whose skin is such that if you touch it with a leaf, it will change colors, it is so soft. And he will carry the staff, the danda of a sannyasi, which means the rod of chastisement. It's not for beating up other people, beating on other people only, and uh, sub, uh, subduing them, but it's for beating oneself, the, uh, the mind, words, intelligence, to, keep, to beat them, to keep them chaste. They may only think of Krishna, may only speak of Krishna, may only <laughs> act for Krishna. This is the idea. Sometimes the sannyasis these days, they're using it to beat on other people, but it's meant for beating on oneself. So that one will become very humble, chaste to Krishna, and by, uh, and, and, and command respect, rather than demand respect. But Nityananda Prabhu at any rate could not tolerate 
Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is carrying the staff of renunciation. He is the supreme enjoyer. How can he be uh, tyagi, a renunciate? Uh, this was unbearable to him. For this reason, Nityananda Prabhu, when he got the opportunity on the way to, to Puri, he accompanied Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. When, we got the, when he got the chance, he broke the danda of, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in three pieces and threw it in the river. Only Nityananda Prabhu could do such a thing. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu outwardly expressed some uh, disturbance. Inwardly, of course, he was very pleased. But that also gave him excuse to go ahead of the, the group of devotees who had accompanied him and to arrive in Puri before them and to faint before Jagannath and to be found um, by his group in the company of Sarvabhoma and so forth. But at any rate, he broke the danda. Prabhupada uh, told me to take little deities of Gornitai and travel with them in a chest uh, around the world mm, many years ago. We have those deities in Audarya and they've been worshipped all these years, about 25 or so more years. And um, at that time, not many devotees at all in his, uh, amongst his disciples had their own deities. There were deities in the temple and we weren't having deities in every house. Everything was, uh, and everyone was centered around the temples. But on certain occasions, Prabhupada gave permission for someone to have a deity. So for myself, for example, I was traveling widely and so on. So he told me like that. Another sannyasi had a set of Gornatai deities, a very little set of Gornatai deities, and he used to travel with them and worship them very opulently. And at one point he bought a, he had crafted in Hong Kong on his way to India, platinum murdungas and uh, little tiny murdungas and platinum cartels and a platinum danda for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So he dressed, uh, sometimes Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Nityananda Prabhu like sannyasis with their little drums and cartels. <laughs> so I saw that, I thought it was very curious. And I asked Prabhupada about that. I, I, I said, is it all right to worship Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? This is a long, long time ago, of course. We didn't know anything. Is it all right to worship Lord Chaitanya as a sannyasi? And Prabhupada, of course, replied that the, uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's devotees, they don't like to think of him as a sannyasi. This is an important point for us. And we'll think, but the sannyasa lila is so important to us. So much uh, teaching, the Sanatana Siksha, Rupa Siksha, and Chaitanya Charitamrita uh, are found there. Lord Chaitanya is teaching to Rupa Goswami, is teaching to Sanatana Goswami. So much, so much tattva is there, so much important instruction for us. As a sannyasi, he uh, defeated the Prakasananda Saraswati. As a sannyasi, he converted Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya. In fact, this uh, acceptance of sannyas in one sense marks the beginning of what we call the Acharya Lila of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, where he acts himself as an Acharya and teaches the way of devotional service. So it is very important to us, the sannyas of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but it's important to us in this sense that we should learn from that Lila how to apply ourselves in such a way that we can enter into the 
Navadvip Lila and the Kirtan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu at Shiva Sangam. They do Kirtan with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, just like it is said, Prabhate Jag, what is it? Prahana, Prahana, Kalete, Shuklambara Adi, Pakata Ghane Raghare, Premera Avesha Abhasha Hoya, Vividha Vilasakore, Shri Krishna Kirtanakori. This time of the day, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is going out from his house, visiting his friends like Shuklambar Brahmachari, Sridhar, Kolaveka Sridhar, performing Sankirtan. He becomes along the Ganga Delta, he sees some group of cowherd boys herding cows while performing Sankirtan with his associates, and then he will go and follow the ecstatic, his ecstatic trance and enter into the Gostilila of Krishna Balaram, herding cows all day in the forest, greeting the forest inhabitants, giving his, his darshan to all of them, going through Kotavani Chutta Chuti Vani Kai Lutapute Sedin Kovevimor. Prabhupada said, poem of Prabhupada. When, when will that day come? When I can enter the forest with Krishna and Balaram and herd cows. Falling over, rolling, sporting in the, among, through the different bond forests of Vrindavan. This was his stated aspiration, a glimpse into his inner life he offered us. We will go there following Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. At this time he's performing that kirtan. We want to enter the kirtan of Navadvip. Particularly in Shiva's Angam, that kirtan was very special. What is it said about that? During that kirtan, Pradosha Shivasa Mandiri Pravesha Adiku Ulasahiya. Adiku Ulasahiya. He knew their hearts, the heart of every devotee in that kirtan. And he would reveal in the house of Shivas, he would, he, would, he would show, Don't you recognize me? This is who I am, this is who you are. Like that Shuklambar, we said Shuklambar, those kind of friends he went with this time of day. In the evening time at the house of Srivas, he performed the Sankirtan. When Shuklambar came with his bag of rice, he used to go and beg chipped rice from door to door. Chipped rice means the broken rice that, that the people would put aside, picking through the rice, finding, getting rid of the broken pieces. He would collect them, that would be, and then he would cook offered that would be his meal. In the middle of the kirtan, Mahabharata would stop and say something like, What is the shuklambar? What have you got? What's in your bag? Give me some of that. I want to eat. I'm hungry. He, he would sh- shy away how I can give the chipped rice to, to you. Mahabharata said, What do you mean? I've eaten before. Don't you remember? He grabbed the rice and take it. Previously in Dwarka, you were there as my friend, Sudama. You brought the chipped rice. I ate it. At that time, you harbored 
you came on a, on a mission on behalf of your your wife. Don't you remember? Your wife was uncomfortable with the status of your material conditions. And she wanted you to come to me, give you a benediction that your material situation would improve. She's a great devotee. It's not that she was materialistic, but she was serving Sudama and considered him to be a Mahabhagwata. And she wanted to make some facilities for him that he would be more comfortable. <laughs> At any rate, I gave you then so much opulence, so much comfort, and you were embarrassed by that. Now take, now you've taken birth to receive the real fruit of my benediction at that time. Turn to into my Prem Sankirtan. He ate the rice of Shuklambar. This way he revealed to different devotees their hearts. I know your heart. I know you better than you know yourself. See who you are and see who I am and how we are intimately connected. In one sense, the goal of Gaudiya Vaishnavism is to enter into that kirtan like a friend and servant of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Like, like Arjuna was the perfect friend and servant of Krishna. Vishvambarena, what is it? Vishvambena Guru Seva. We should serve our Guru like, like an intimate friend, but servant. Servant friend. Not from a distance, out of fear with a close, friendly, as close as possible. We should come in, in serving disposition and endear ourselves in such a way that the Guru sees us as a very extension of his own self. Therefore, if, if the disciple does not eat, it becomes a problem for the Guru. He thinks, I have to give them prasad. This is like you want to take care of different parts of his body. This kind of relationship we should have some, some, with some intimacy and, and uh, uh, not equality, but intimacy. Vishwamena And the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's leader, the devotees will serve like that. And correspondingly, they will know by the grace of Gaur Leela, another relationship in the Braj Leela with Prajendranandan Krishna and Balaram, mm-hmm. Radha Govinda. Mahabharu knew their hearts, Adhika Ula Sahiya, that he would re- reveal. Mm-hmm. He, would re- he would come under their, actually come under their influence of their love and of affection, show them something wonderful. So our ideal is to enter there. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu performed Kirtan at Sriva Sangam and then he left the Kirtan to take sannyas and go abroad, go to the foreign land, Jagannath Puri and all parts of India. When he took the sannyas staff, then created some distance between his friends and himself. Nimai Pandit, our friend, local hometown boy has become a sannyasi, a swami. He's created some distance between us. Aishwarya Bhairagya, 
Mahaprabhu personified as a sannyasi. Detachment. It's an attractive thing, but it's an opulence nonetheless, and it creates some some distance. And as a sannyasi, he left Nabadweep, like Krishna, left Vrindavan to go to Mathura. Nityananda Prabhu went, accompanied him. He took the sannyas to give Krishna consciousness to everyone. This was his purpose. He thought, if I become a sannyasi, then the people in general will show me some regard, and then I can better deliver my message to them. So to give people access to the very kirtan at the house of Shiva's that was private, that not anyone could come in, only his intimate associates, he left there and showed by his example how one can lead a life in such a way that it will culminate in entering into that kirtan and simultaneously uh, uh, um, entering into the Brajlila via Gorlila. So the sannyas lila is very important to us. At the same time, if you follow me, follow me, it's nonetheless a secondary thing. It's not our ultimate ideal to serve Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as a sannyasi, but to follow the example that he set there, such that we can enter into Navadvip. So, as a sannyasi, although he took sannyas to facilitate the dissemination of the Yuga Dharma, it nonetheless, to some extent, restricted him as well. While as a sannyasi, many people would respect him and uh, give regard and so forth, still there was a certain class of people who were very downtrodden, who might not respect a sannyasi, and who lived and frequented in and frequented places where sannyasis should not go. Otherwise, their sannyas would come into question. You follow? It says, a black spot on a white cloth ruins the whole cloth. Hmm? So, if Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was a sannyasi, were to go to the brothels and speak to the uh, uh, very uh, sinful people and frequent the places where they their haunts, <laughs> then people might think, oh, what kind of sannyasi is this? He's always spending time at the bar in the name of preaching. What's going on there? But he wanted to, nonetheless, to disseminate his, uh, his, his mercy and knowledge of the purpose of his descent everywhere. Indeed, he, he, had a, he was perplexed at once and expressed his, his concern to Haridas Thakur that what I've come to give may be accessible to the human beings, but what about the non-moving living beings, how they will benefit from this? How far-reaching was his scope? Haridas assured him, don't worry, that when you chant into the forest and there's an echo, that's the non-moving living beings chanting back. <laughs> so, at any rate, it was through Nityananda Prabhu that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, as a sannyasi, was able to extend himself and go amongst the downtrodden people, especially of Bengal, from where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu hailed. 
Mahaprabhu told him in Puri, took him aside one year and said that you should go back to Bengal and stay there. Don't come here every year and meet with me during the time of the Chaturmasya and uh, Jagannath Rathayatra. Stay there to deliver the people. So Nityananda Prabhu, of course, was very unorthodox in his behavior. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as a sannyasi was very orthodox in his behavior. If he misbehaved as a sannyasi, then the purpose of his taking sannyas, that would be defeated. But if he didn't, if he simply maintaining the position of a sannyasi, there were certain places, as I say, that he could not go. But the unorthodox Nityananda Prabhu, who wore his heart on his hand and acted quite... Um, mad at times, as if he was a drunken and intoxicated person himself. On account of the way that he behaved, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was always very quick to try to, to check his devotees from thinking ill of Nityananda Prabhu. Because Heno, what is it? Vineni Thai Bhai Heno Vineni Thai Bhai Radha Krishna Paite Nai Narottam has talked to us to us. Without the mercy of Nityananda Prabhu, you can never attain love of Radha and Krishna. Such an important person. Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami has given a, a very lengthy chapter in, in, the, in the beginning of his book, fifth chapter, about Nityananda Prabhu. And he begins that chapter with some very weighty, weighty, heavy verses some of which is Sankarsana Karnato Yishai Payo what is it? Yishai Sankarsana Karnato Yishai Payo Dishai Anyway Sheshashtayasyamsa Kalasanitya Nandakyarama Sharanamamastu Sankarsana Karnato Yishai Oh he's saying such Nityananda Prabhu this wild man crazy person, sometimes running naked, uh, appearing in the social events, naked and oblivious and so on. He's the Mool Sankarshan, the, uh, the, the source of the Vishnus in this, in this world, Karnadakshai, Shirdakshai, Gabbadakshai uh, uh, Vishnu, Anantasesh, all these powerful manifestations of Godhead that have something to do with sustaining the whole of, of, of the material existence. These are all just his uh, expansions. What is his position? Very heavy. Nityananda Prabhu is so uh, devoted to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It is said that when Mahaprabhu was waking in the morning, that that bed that he lies upon, that is Nityananda Prabhu. What is that verse? Dijamani Bhakshe Tava Jhalamala Sutra Paduka Parai Dware Aratopatra. He is the shoes of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that wait at the door. Mahaprabhu is Dijamani, the best of the Brahmins. He wears a beautiful effulgent thread around his chest. He lies on the bed as he just to, coming, waking in the morning, his shoes at the door, umbrella at the door, and thread around his chest. This is um, 
speaking about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu overtly and covertly about Nityananda Prabhu. Nityananda Prabhu is his shoes, his umbrella, the thread around his, his chest, so from head to toe and the middle of his body, Nityananda Prabhu is there at every step serving Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Balarame, what is it? Um, uh, Bhakta Abhiman, the Bhakta Abhiman, Krishna's Kaviraskar says, this Goswami teaches, the ego of a devotee. This is, uh, the origin of this is in Balaram. And therefore, he says, Kaviraskar Goswami, it is in all of his expansions. That includes Bibinangsa, as well as Swangsa, means, as well as the Vishnu expansions, all living entities. They have inherited them, the ego of a bhakta. It's dormant, asleep. They come from Nityananda Prabhu. Or if they come, like the Badajeev, from Vishnu, Mahavishnu, Vishnu is coming from Nityananda Prabhu, Sankarshan. So we come from Mahavishnu, somehow deep inside of us, the bhakta Abhiman is there. The ego of a devotee. And Sravanadi Sudhachitte, Kodai Udai, it will come out by hearing and chanting. How important Nityananda Prabhu is to us, we cannot imagine that. What would we know about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu if it were not for Nityananda Prabhu? Where do you find out the most about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? In the literature, Chaitanya Charitamrita, Chaitanya Bhagwat, we find out about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Who is the author of Chaitanya Bhagwat? Vrindabandas Thakur. What does he say? He says, Nityananda Antarayami, in my heart, taking the place of the Antarayami, indwelling Lord, Nityananda Prabhu spoke to me. He told me to write a book about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So under his inspiration, I'm writing this book. So this book is coming from Nityananda Prabhu, all about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. What does Krishnanas Kabiraj Kusami say in Chaitanya Charitamrita? How he came to write Chaitanya Charitamrita? He was living at home, his brother's house. There was a gathering. Mini Ketan Ramdas came there. Ramdas was a devotee of Nityananda Prabhu, mad in Sakyabhava like a gopa internally. And he wore practically his bhava outside. He carried a flute and a stick. He would uh, jump up on people, ride on their backs, play his flute. And he came in the assembly and it became apparent to Krishnadas that his, his brother did not, his brother showed no respect for Miniketan Ramdas. Miniketan Ramdas became upset and broke his flute. Left the place. He became upset because he could understand. Not showing respect for me means he does not respect Nityananda Prabhu. And I cannot tolerate that, Miniketana thought. And Krishnadas thought, I cannot tolerate it either. I told my brother, if you do not respect Nityananda Prabhu, even though you say you have great respect for Nityananda, for, for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the fact is you have no regard for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. 
without respecting Nityananda Prabhu, then there's no question of loving Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. What did he say? He gave some example. Half a hen, he said. This is like a half a hen logic. You know the half hen logic. Man had a hen, a chicken, a chicken, and he was making money from the eggs. He was getting eggs and selling the eggs. So he thought, from one hole in the chicken I get these eggs, and that gives me money. But the other hole, the mouth, I have to put money inside. I have to feed the chicken. So I'll cut off the head of the chicken. Then I won't have to spend any money on that hole, and I'll, from the other hole I'll get the eggs and make money. So this is not very good logic. It's called half-chicken logic. <laughs> so he, gave, he, he told this to his brother. This is your logic. You worship Gaur, but not Nityananda Prabhu. You have nothing then, no worship. So he left the house. He went out, became homeless. And wherever he, he lied down to take rest, that night Nityananda Prabhu came to him in a dream and said, Go to Vrindavan, Krishna Das, and you will find your wealth there. Oh, Nartam Thakur says, Sangsara Vasana more. What is it? Kabitu Chahave. Harkobe Nitai Chander Karuna Hoive. Sangsara Vasana more. Kabitu Chahave. When will Nityananda Prabhu take away all my material desires? Vishaya Charya. Then I can enter into Vrindavan. Nityananda Prabhu gave him permission to go to Vrindavan. He said, You will find your wealth there. What wealth did he find there? He went there telling his story in Rup, Sanatan, all the leading the Vaishnavas, they, they gave him the blessing. You write about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So Chaitanya Charitamrita comes from Nityananda Prabhu also. See how he is broadcasting and how you don't even know that. that that's not your fault. That means Nityananda Prabhu, although he's so much in the foreground of pushing Chaitanya Mahaprabhu forward, he nonetheless does it in such a way as to keep himself in the background. And devotees will have a question. What is the importance of Nityananda? Even at the time, some devotees thought, who cares if this Nityananda Prabhu? He's mad. And our only question about Gauranga Mahaprabhu is why he keeps the company of this fellow. Otherwise he's faultless. But he keeps the company of this fellow and uh, brings him into question. We should try to separate him from Nityananda Prabhu. Mahaprabhu would never allow this. And very quickly he was, very quick he was, to address, oh, in the assembly, the importance of Nityananda Prabhu. How to understand him in the proper light. How to understand him with a philosophical eye. He is the personification of Sandini Shakti. So the whole of the Dham is expanding from him. And the whole of the material world as well. The playground for the Lord's Leelas. He is manifesting that. So it's intimately involved with, Chait with, with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his Ram with Krishna. Either overtly in the Gosti Leela, for example, or indirectly in every other Leela, in, in Madhurya Leela. So Nityananda Prabhu is very important and through him Chaitanya Mahaprabhu extended his mercy to places where as a sannyasi he could not go. Nityananda Prabhu was told go back and stay in Bengal. 
So Nityananda Prabhu would about him and he said, if you see Nityananda Prabhu at a, at a brothel with a, uh, a working girl, then you should think, he's only there for preaching, no other purpose. <laughs> and this is what he did, door to door for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And this, of course, brings, to, brings up an important point that Srila Prabhupada himself raises in his connection when he comments on this in his edition of Chaitanya Charitamrita. This is Guru Parampara. Nowadays, it's common to think that as long as the Guru, in succession, for example, from Srila Prabhupada, doesn't say more than Prabhupada, up to what he said or a little bit less, then he's qualified. He says, anything more that Prabhupada hasn't said, then it becomes questionable immediately. But Prabhupada has not said that. How can you say that? This is the backwards idea. Uh, Mahaprabhu wanted to see that through Nityananda Prabhu, more would be done beyond what he could do as a sannyasi, that the distribution of mercy would go on dissemination of the teachings and so forth. So proper comments like this in that uh, section of Chaitanya Charitamrita. This is Guru Parampara. The Guru takes great pleasure in seeing the disciple do more. And the disciple in doing more is quick to point out, oh, I'm only doing by the grace of my Guru and the Vaishnav, whatever I may have done. But this is, this is the business, actually, of Guru Parampara, to extend, bring new light, Keep it alive. So no, they shouldn't have this backwards idea. As long as he does just as much and or less, then he's qualified. If he says anything new, then he's suspect. If that is the case, then there is no really parampara in any in any dynamic sense. Parampara means one after another. So in succession it should go on and the greater and greater insight, deeper insight. And this is we find the whole, the whole history. What is uh, Vishwanath said? What is Rupa Goswami said? In this way you find new insight, new light, new life. So Nityananda Prabhu is an example of that. Therefore he's more merciful than Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But he's more merciful... Um, because he's an extension of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself. Ram is the immediate expansion of Krishna for pastimes, to make those pastimes. He is the supreme enjoyer, but to make to facilitate that enjoyment in Lila Nanda, then Ram has expanded from him. Do you understand? Is that a comprehensive answer for you? Another question? This regard, does it mean that we should view everything in the Guru, what we cannot perceive immediately as transcendental along these lines? I mean, that, that we say, okay, Guru is a representation of Nityananda Prabhu, and I should be careful to not um, view anything in him as material. Yeah, the Guru should be viewed, we are told, with a philosophical eye. What is that verse? Yeah, but no, I'm thinking another one. Ache Vishnu Shiladi Guru Shu Naramati Vaishnavi Dati Buddhi. 
you are told to view God like this, right? You are told, we are told to view God with a philosophical eye when he appears in our midst. So if God may be misconstrued, so the representation of God may be misconstrued by us also. We, after all, do have a mind, and we are under its influence. And the mind is a dead thing. Mind is matter. So as much as the soul is under the influence of mind, its life is, is stifled. Mind wants to bring everything within its grip. Maya, one meaning for the word maya, is to measure. So the mind wants to measure everything. The mental system, we want to understand it. The nature of the subject matter, of course, is that we are involved in is it cannot be understood. Unknown and unknowable. What the Christian does not know himself. He's always finding out newer and newer wonderful things about his prowess and ability. But the, our mind's tendency is to want to bring everything within his fist and imprison it there. That's to take the very life out of existence, actually. There is no meaning to life. Mind wants to give it a meaning. And much as I mean, what I mean by that is that life is about love. Reality is about, and and love is is beyond meaning, beyond reason. Love knows no reason. I've said before, the magic of life is that by giving, you get. That's magic. That's not reasonable. That by giving away, you will get something. But that's how life works. It happens, so we're accustomed to it, but we don't think about it. But it doesn't make sense. So life doesn't make sense. But we want to make sense out of it. That's the problem. We want to make perfect sense out of it. It means we are under the influence of our mind and, and, and intellect. Krishna consciousness, of course, makes some sense, but it doesn't answer to reason. So if we try to examine it only with reason, or as we discussed the other night, the guru only with reason, then it will disappear. What's really there, we will not see. If we try to understand God only with reason, then where will we end up? Not in God consciousness. Reason is inferior to God. Reason is inferior to soul. So it will not answer to them. So we are told even to view God with a philosophical eye. Not That means to say, by hearing from the scripture, the deity is Krishna himself. But if we were to look only with the mind and reasoning, we say, wait a minute, this is marble. Chip, chip, chip. And this could be broken and, uh, and so forth. How can it be God? You say the book is is manifestation of God, the Bhagavatam, the heart of Krishna. I can take it and throw it in the fire. There, there goes your heart of Krishna. I burned it up. Now what? So, if we only to look with the, with with uh, with the mind and material senses, mind is like a vulture. What does the vulture thrive upon? Dead things. 
So the mind tries to make things dead so that it can consume it. If it's alive, mind cannot handle it. If it can make it like itself, matter, take the life out of it, then it can grab it. It thinks it grabs it, it grabs it. Just like Ravana thought he kidnapped Sita. <laughs> but it's not possible for Ravana to kidnap Sita. Brahma thought he stole all the cows and calves, calves and cowherd boys of Krishna. But how is that possible? How by Brahma's Shakti, which is material, could he arrest the Swarup Shakti? Not all manifestations of, uh, of Krishna's calves and, and friends were examples of. So actually some Maya form was manifest. He stole those. That's a long story, but... Therefore, we are to view all these things, the scriptures, the deity, guru, all these manifestations of divinity with the philosophical eye. If there's a meeting between eternity and temporality, then uh, it would, that, that meeting will take on a temporal appearance. But if we approach it properly, the deity appears temporary, subject to decay and so forth, right? The book also, as I've mentioned, subject to decay. So it looks like a material manifestation. But if we approach it on its terms, what happens? We experience eternality. So if that which is infinite comes within the finite, to show itself, it will take on a finite experience, uh, finite uh, appearance. But it speaks to about us about that which is infinite. And if we approach it on the terms that it speaks to us, we'll have the experience of the infinite, eternal, and so forth. And then we'll have regard for that. We have regard for Bhagavatam, even though the book itself says what? There might be some literary faults here. What is that shloka? Oh, it's a very favorite one of mine when I was a book distributor. <laughs> uh, no, I can't recall what Bhagavatam says. Even if it has any faults, this book, that should be overlooked. One shloka, probably used to like to go to one word. If they hear, if they only touch the book, it'll change their life. Yasmin prati shlokam avadhavati api. Even if it is improperly composed, some irregularity in the poetry of Bhagavatam, the message is such, uh, that should be overlooked. Rupa Goswami says, there may be some, in, in, some discrepancy in the form of the guru, and in, 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 from a material perspective, he may look... Uh, deformed or diseased, or his temperament. It may also include his temperament, the subtle part of his manifestation within the, within the world. He may not have the temperament that is, that is politically correct, perfect in every respect. and uh, He may not have the perfect manners or whatever, coming from a different culture than myself. He may act in such ways that are offend our cultural sensibilities and so forth. These things are all to be overlooked, he said. 
what is to be seen is that the, the extent to which he or she is um, has keen interest in Krishna consciousness that will override everything else. We're taught like that. Upadesh hmm? Amrita. How to view the Guru. And somebody has asked how to view the deity, how to view the scripture, all these things. And we are to, we are to, to, to put the, some reins on the mind's tendency, because if we just let that go, then we'll turn the descent of divinity into something mundane, and the very descent of divinity within our frame of reference, for the purpose of taking us beyond our frame of reference, will be defeated. And we will remain within our material frame of reference only, which is such a static thing, huh. such a small thing. You know, through the mind, through the senses, we gather some information. It's relayed to the mind, and then a world develops of goods and bads, happies and sads. I like this, I don't like that. It's such a small world. It's so uncomfortable for us. It's our world. We've created it through our senses and mind. We've created a world of, I like this, I don't like that, this is good, this is bad, this is happy, this is sad. It's so uncomfortable. And yet, we are so unreasonable to insist that everybody should live with inside of it. This is our ideal. Everyone should agree with me. <laughs> and it's not even making us happy. So petty, so small. The only thing that uh, that causes us to perpetuate it is, is the illusion that it provides which leads us to believe that we are more important than we are, that we're bigger than we are. We're actually very small, insignificant. But we're important to the one who is significant. And when we come out from underneath the world of the mind and senses, that small world, we enter into the big world. We become very small there. The one who is very big, and big in every way, Big in affection. This is Krishna in particular. Krishna, big in affection, comes into view. Suhridam, sarvabhutanam, gnatvamam shantamichati, bhuktanam jagatapasam, sarvaloko maheshvaram. He's the Lord of everything, enjoyer of everything. We think nothing for me. <laughs> Not even enough ground to put a pin in for myself. Nothing for me to enjoy. Everything for his enjoyment. He's the owner of everything. But he says, have you accept this position about me? Suhidam Sarvabhutanam. Then you can see me as your friend. Then you become the friend of the one who's the supreme enjoyer. The friend of the one who owns everything. Hmm? So that would, your position is so great then. So... Try to see the eyes of the scripture. Another question? Yes. In relation to what you are saying, uh, I have a friend, she's not a devotee, she's in another group, and they have like, they have like a, a kind of drawing which is representation of God. 
it's like a symbolic you know. mm-hmm. um, but she came to the temple for Janmastani because her sister is also divinity anyway we were talking I talked quite openly with her oh, yeah good friend yeah. oh she said talk about the deity she said oh it's a representation of God but I know what she means like what they have a representation of God I said no it is God and she looked at me like oh, oh what's wrong with Narayani <laughs> like, <laughs> she wanted to tell me that this is God you know? and then I was really thinking about it after that I should have introduced, I should have said another way, but, but how, you know, I, mm. it, it kind of push her, like push her, like... No. I think one thing that you need to consider is that the deity is directly God, but that you don't act like that. You're still waiting for God to appear somewhere before you, although we're telling you he's right in the next room here and you tell it to other people, you're still waiting for him to appear before you. So, he's only there in one sense, as far as you're personally concerned, as God being fully present, as much as you act like that. And if you really act like that, you would probably be able to convince people that God was there. Hmm? He would speak to you and... and. Uh, and uh, and reveal things to you in such a way that you could make a very compelling case without trying uh, to convince others that God is fully present in the form of the deity. This is one point. In other sense, we can say that that God is symbolically present in the deity because the deity we, through the deity, we worship God symbolically. This is, uh, the deity worship is like the realm of ritual, which is somewhere in between the material world and the spiritual world. It's kind of a, a combination of both. The deity comes in a form constituted of material um, elements, and the deity is worshipped with rules and regulations that don't always make sense in the material world. We want those rules to make sense. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. We should know. We've entered the world of ritual here. And you've got to take a bath so many times. I just took a bath a few minutes ago, but I went in this room, and I need to take a bath because you went in that room. And then you say, well, this is coming from Indian culture, and, and uh, our bathrooms are cleaner than their altars, practically. We should... We should... We should I mean, these rules should be thrown out there and practical. But this is a world of ritual. It has rules of its own. And if we enter into the world of ritual and follow the rules of ritual and through all the language of ritual, Om, Kling, Goraya, Namaha, we offer all these things, items and whatnot. So if we approach properly through mantra, mantra is like symbolic. It's a sound, seed, form, representation of some, what's inside the mantra, the whole of the lila and the world of Krishna. So, but, but 
we are uttering that mantra, making the sounds, performing the different rituals and so forth. If we do that in the right spirit, then we enter into Krishna Lila. From Archan we can become qualified to do bhajan, find the Lord in his, na- in his name fully manifesting in our heart. So in that sense, the deity is also a, is a symbolic representation of Krishna. Leela. Do you follow? But we can approach, and if we are successful in that, do it properly, well, then we can enter, the, we can do bhajan. When you do bhajan, then you don't do deity worship for the most part. It can be retired from. So, of course, he still has regard for the deity, such a devotee, but he's able to contact the Lord within his heart. Temple is open in the heart, curtain is open, and he's getting some inspiration from the heart, some directive from the deity in the heart. He's serving in the in 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 the lila in his in his in the spiritual form. So this deity worship is is somewhere in between, as I said, the material world and that world of spiritual experience. So in that sense, it's a kind of a representation of God, a way in which God is represented here. So it's not un- inaccurate to portray it like that. And uh, you might have explained it like that without scaring your friend. And the reality is, as I mentioned in the beginning, is that, is that, is that while you say the words Krishna is directly here, you don't act like that. You don't act like that. That's also the mercy of the deity. Probably to say the deity is Krishna come in a form that we can handle. Because if he was to talk, you'd be in a lot of trouble. You'd have no time to do anything. You'd say, bring me this, bring me that. And by the way, bring that too. And that, and that, and that. He's the supreme enjoyer, so he, he doesn't, he's quiet. He knows. You don't really think I'm here, so why should I talk to you? <laughs> mm. You come, you make these prayers, and you try to get it over with so that you can go to, quick enough so that you can go do something else. You're coming and doing these motions, but you've got something else on your mind. So how much is he there when we approach in that way? If we really approach the deity as if Krishna is there, then when someone asks us about the altar, we'll say, yes, this is Krishna. And we'll be able to speak in such a way that they'll, they'll believe it. No, he's right here. He can talk, he can walk. So, we should increase our devotion to the deity. We can also, as I say, think that the practical reality for us is that there's a symbolic representation in the sense in which I'm speaking. It's like a new concept for me. I never thought in this way. Do you have any... Symbolic, yeah. Like you said, it is mantra. In the Leela, they are not going Swaha, Krishna, Om, Swaha. <laughs> Sit, eat. Huh? And, the, and in the Leela, Krishna is taking food from his mouth and putting it in, in his in, in Subal's mouth. And then taking that out and putting it in Sridham's mouth. And in this way, the, and Brahma's flying in on the swan and thinking, what kind of people are these people? Krishna eating with his left hand and putting food in some in his friend's mouth, and the friend is taking it out and putting it in his mouth. Uncivilized people. 
and Brahma is Vidhi, Mr. Personification of Rules. Hmm? And these boys are acting very uncivilized. He's thinking, what is this? And people are making a big commotion about this boy? He's the killer of sin? Agasura? How can it be? And we are offering, Om, take this, please. Wash your feet. Mother Yasoda is chasing him with a stick. Come and eat. Eat more. Radhika has cooked this. She went with such effort. You'll be gone all day in the forest. Eat more. Eat more. So we are in the deity worship of some in-between. Archan is a step generally below Bhajan. Of course, it can be done in, in Bhav also, the deity worship. But for the most part, it, it is the deity, it's a manifestation of the Lord that extends itself to those who have no bhava as a means by which they can develop bhava. means feeling, emotion, love for Krishna. Sankirtan, that is for everyone. From beginning to end, Sankirtan. Sankirtan is going on in the Leela. And Sankirtan is going on on the in, in, in the on the, the streets at every town and village. Through Nam Sankirtan, the name comes to us. It qualifies us to do archan, isn't it? And we get the mantras from our guru. When the guru sees, oh, he's taking the Nam very seriously, I should give him some help how to take advantage of Nam. So he gives the mantra, Krishna mantra. This Krishna mantra that will help you to become liberated from material conceptions and to understand your nature. This is part of liberation in relation to the Lord. And then, to fully develop that nature, do Sankirtan, with feeling. Not for purifying the heart, that's already been accomplished with the help of mantra. But with a purified heart, with emotion, do Sankirtan. That will take you to Goloka. This is Chaitanya Charitamrita's opinion. So that mantra, mantra and the deity, there's some (coughs) correspondence there. At a certain point, the mantra will retire also. Its efficacy reached, then... Sankirtan with with emotion, chanting particular names of the Lord that are very dear to one's heart, will take us to Goloka. So the deity worship comes in between. So in that sense, it is symbolic. New concept, but there are new concepts. <laughs> you should think that. Another question? It just said that Sankirtan will bring us to Goloka. Um, I remember that the story of Gokuma, I understood like that, that he was all the time chanting this, this mantra, that this brought him to... To, to a certain point he chanted his mantra, Gopal mantra. And then he reached the efficacy of that mantra. He came, he, the final leg of his journey he took from Prajmandal doing Sankirtan and Lilasmarnam not chanting his Gopal Mantra. What does Chaitanya Charitamrita say? 
Krishna mantra hoite pavi samsar mochan. By Krishna mantra it means Gopal mantra, samsara mochan. You will become liberated from samsara. And Krishna naam? Hoite hobe. Krishna racharan. By Krishna naam, you will attain the feet of Krishna. So Krishna mantra comes to help us. Krishna naam is. Nitimukta, eternally liberated. So when you become liberated, you can fully take advantage of Krishna Nam. Krishna Mantra comes to give us that liberation, to assist us, that we can take full advantage of Krishna Nam. So both go together. We say, Krishna Nam is more important, but we cannot in any way minimize Krishna Mantra, because without that, how we can take advantage of Krishna Nam and really know how it is more important, more significant. So, anything else? Yeah, Sila Prabhupada ki jai, Tilak Sakshira Devi Salimaj ki jai, Bhakti Sitan Sarsthi Thakur ki jai, Bhavit Premanandi.